Praise God. Uh, before we go into our next book in the Bible on Sundays, verse by verse, I've been letting people know that uh, we're going to be going into Jude and James, two different books. Might go through Jude because it'll go a lot faster than James. It's only one chapter, if you want to call it that long. Uh, but we're going to wait till after the first year. Uh, so I've been doing some topical things. Uh, and the name of this message is, well, you know, uh, it's basically, you know, don't be a fool, okay? Uh, if you're a parent, the name of the message officially is How Not to Raise a Fool. So it's going to be hopefully a really encouraging message for parents. But don't check your mind out because we should all be interested about the children, amen? Because this message is for everybody because we're, we're called not to be fools, amen? And it's imperative that we uh, take God's wisdom because if we reject God's wisdom and his word, we'll certainly be fools, you know? Uh, so I really want to encourage you. I've been working on two messages this morning and praying about both of them. And I'm saving the other one for next week. And I've been working on both these messages for some time. Uh, but this message, because I kept praying about it off and on, about what specifically to preach. And I just wanted to go with this today. And next week, I'm really excited about that message as well. Because I'm excited about this because I really believe we could be impacted by God's word uh, this morning. And we get up in the morning, give the first day of the week to the Lord. Amen. We start off our week giving it to Jesus. Because to be his true followers, to be true Christians, to be his disciples, you must, as he said, deny yourselves, right? Take up your crosses daily and follow him. Amen. Amen. And every, every, all of us, every part of us belongs to him, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. So we want to keep that in mind. But the Bible actually teaches that we're born fools. We're born fools. That might sound harsh. But the Bible uses different terms for fools. There's actually a gradation of an increase of, you know, foolery, you know, being a fool, you know. It gets worse the more you reject God's wisdom. But we're born basically simpletons or naive as babies. In fact, listen to the scripture. I'll prove it to you. 22, 15 of Proverbs says foolishness. It will be in the book of Proverbs, so you might want to turn to the book of Proverbs, that'll help you out. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The heart of a child is bound. It's, it's chained by foolishness, and, and, and it's just woven throughout the child's heart. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So children are, are born. We're born fools. I was certainly born a fool, you know. Kathy, are you, you're not nodding your head. You should be nodding your head. It's my oldest sister, you know. And the other sisters and my brother, you know, I was such a fool, they moved from here to Idaho, you know. No, that's not why they moved there, you know. In fact, they have a blessed live stream they all are part of over there, an extension of our fellowship, which is awesome. But I still have Kathy here, so praise the Lord. We love you, Kathy, and your whole family. Lord, it's good to see you all the way from Japan. Wow. Lord, can you come up here real quick? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing Lauren. You got to know Lauren. That's, that'd be pretty funny. Uh, her, her husband is a pro basketball player in you guys eat the sushi over there? Pretty good? You hesitated. Not as, that's weird? It's not as good as the place I took you to? It is? Oh, no, it's not. Well, praise the Lord. It's cheaper, though, right? Yeah, because you guys cost me a lot that night. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I got to get back to my message. Good to see you guys. Uh, but it's interesting, I was a fool growing up, and all of us kids start out that way. Some kids learn faster than others. I didn't learn very quick, uh, but I did eventually learn by the grace of God. And uh, 
that says a rod of correction, discipline, you know, will drive it from them, you know, and I hated discipline. And I was just rebellious, you know. My, my, little, my little brother, Tom, who you guys know, he was here last week, even though he lives in Idaho, he's visiting. Uh, uh, he was called, my mom called him her little angel. So guess what that meant? I was, okay. <laughs> By implication, you know, I kind of took it that way and I kind of lived that life out. Uh, but discipline, I didn't respond to. And a lot of times kids, you know, the Bible says, gives certain truths, you know, the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You have to keep in mind that every time we see a scripture like this, uh, there are some scriptures that are just specific, definite, absolute truth. The other scriptures that have to do with if you do this, this should be the outcome. But you have to factor in other scriptures on free will. Amen? You have to put all the scriptures together. So it doesn't mean every kid that you discipline will turn out right, or every child that you bring up in the Lord will turn out right. God's heart breaks over our children more than our children break our hearts when they're in rebellion to God. Did you know that? Because we have an infinitesimal fraction of the love he has for our kids. And so if you think your heart breaks over your kids when they go off, it, his heart is far more broken because he's pure love and he's created them in his image. He wants them to be with him forever. But, but uh, it hurts because we want our kids to know the Lord and so forth. And we don't always respond to discipline early on and, and, and you know, the scriptures are very clear. God says in Isaiah chapter 1, I put bits in the, the, the mouths. You, you put bits in the mouths of horses, and they listen to you. But, oh, Israel, you will not listen to me. So those are his children. His first two children, you know their names, right? What were his first two kids' names? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Were they perfect? No. Or did they rebel? They rebelled. But did they have a perfect parent? Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. So there's not absolute guarantees, but there's principles whereby if you walk in those principles, uh, it's far more likely that your child will grow up to be a godly child. Amen? Amen. But I wasn't. I mean, I, I hated getting spanked. I mean, I was... My dad, when he spanked you, it was quick, a lot of times done out of anger, just because he would just grab you and throw you and take his belt off. And I, I'm sure I got him angry, man, because I, you know, one time banged my head on the ground. That hurt far more. I didn't feel the spanking. My head's going, you ever go that? Your head's like that. And it, I deserve that. He meant well, but he's just whooping me. But my mom would be like, okay, she was a lot nicer. She said, she'd say, you know, go in the backyard and grab a big switch. So I'd be, okay, <laughs> that was nicer, you know. And man, we had to go find Kathy's like, yep. And we had to, what are you saying, yeah, for? I don't know if you ever got spanked, did you? <laughs> did you? Oh, okay, praise God. I mean, not praise God, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, what's that? Yeah, look how good she turned out, she said. Yeah, that's because of Jesus, but the, dis the discipline helps, right? You know? And, uh, but Kathy was, the, I think, the most obedient of the three girls, and, and Josiah of the two boys, you know? Uh, Josiah, Tom, I always get them confused, because I always had affection toward my, my, my brother, little brother, cared so much for him, and I always get them mixed up sometimes when I talk to him. Just called Tom Josiah when he was out here. But Tom uh, was a pretty obedient kid. He got rebellious during those teen years, and he really needed Jesus and realized it finally too, you know. But I would go in the backyard and you couldn't come back with a small, skinny one that would it had to be a good one, man. And then I tried everything. I'd run. Remember Barry Blinn, Kathy? He, when I'd be running in the front yard, I remember him yelling, run, Joe, run, run, Joe, run, from my mom, you know. And that was the name of a television show about a German shepherd back then too, you know. And I'd, I'd hide in the, under the bed when she'd come in for me. She'd get the broom. I'm not advising this stuff, okay? Running or getting the broom, and she'd poke me out, you know. 
I stick a, a, a book, a soft cover book, thought I was really smart, under my pants, go out there ready for my whooping. And she'd give me the whooping, and I'd be like, it didn't hurt until she just hit a little side of the book where she got my skin, and it hurt even worse, just that little part, just, ah, and I'd be in tears, you know. And that was, you know, I was like 18, 19 at the time. No, I wasn't. <laughs> now, I was a youngster, but I continued in my rebellion. When I got older, though, like my dad, he was pretty tough, man, and, and uh, I'd take off in the backyard and just watch him wander around looking for me, you know, and I'd be on the roof, you know, watching him, you know, I'd be like... Okay, thinking I'm getting away with something, but you're really not getting away with anything, you know? Or I'd run out there, and I had a big old Airedale named Heather, and then she would get between him and me because she was my dog and would not let him touch me. And he, didn't, he, you know, he could have got by her, but he didn't want to you know, break her will, you know, because uh, she was protecting me, and, and she didn't know any better, but I knew better. And I was just very rebellious, and uh, I, wasn't, I didn't learn, but eventually I did because of the principles that we see here in Scripture and because of God's grace and because of his patience. Because I do believe the discipline I was receiving was sowing seeds in my life that there are consequences to rebellion. Even though my heart and brain were rejecting that, it was there. The fabric of, of, of parental discipline, which is so important, even if your child doesn't totally get it, uh, is, is very, very important. You know, uh, So it's important that we get this. Now, it's interesting because... Ultimately, the reason people are fools is because they don't fear the Lord. And, you, and that's very clear. And we're going to the book of Proverbs, so you want to instill the fear of the Lord in your children. And that's one of the missing notes in modern preaching. People leave out the fear of the Lord. You know, I preached on the fear of the Lord just maybe a month and a half ago or so. And probably two times in the last, two or three times in the last year and a half or so. Because the fear of the Lord is very important. It comes up. Those are full messages, but I bring up my message a lot because, I mean, that's how the book of Proverbs starts out. And it's an Old and New Testament doctrine. But it's important that we get this and we understand this. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. The first four verses. Proverbs chapter 1. The first four verses. And when you get there, uh, I think it's important that we understand how this very book begins. The Proverbs of Solomon, and he was the wisest man on earth, being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this book. The son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to what? To the naive. To give prudence, wisdom, prudence to the naive. To the youth, knowledge, and what? Discretion. So it's about child training, this message as well, but also about adult training because guess what? There's more adult fools than children fools because there's far more adults than children on the planet and far more of these adults aren't, you know, they have received knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. And many of them are devoid of knowledge. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, okay? Knowledge is the assertion of facts. You can win Jeopardy, you know, or something like that, a, a game show, and be full of knowledge and be encyclopedic in your understanding of, of facts and have, you know, win the game of, of trivial pursuit. I don't know if people play that anymore. But be totally, absolutely devoid of wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is God's truth and how to apply that truth to your lives. And it's important that we understand that. And in fact, on your cigarettes, it says if you pull them out, 
And you read that Surgeon General advises that you do not smoke because it is dangerous to your health and causes cancer. Then you have knowledge. But if you pull a cigarette out, and hopefully, you know, I was just trying to see who's going to pull out their cigarettes so I can help you. You know, I'm not saying, I don't know anybody here that smokes, but if you do, you want to be not just knowledgeable, you want to be wise. If you pull that cigarette and light it up and start smoking or vaping, vaping's incredibly, now they're, they're saying, oh, vaping's a great alternative. Now they're showing how destructive that is as well. Um, you're not wise because you're not applying that knowledge that the Surgeon General states that it causes cancer and all the facts have been out there for years now. And you keep smoking, you're not showing wisdom. And my heart breaks for you because very likely, you know, you could have lung cancer pretty soon and it's already deteriorating your health. So, and God, by God's grace, give you strength to quit, man. Just get on your knees and, and just turn from it, you know. My wife, Lisa, I'd, I'd been smoking for a long time, for five years. And I became a Christian at 18. And right when I became a Christian, I just stopped smoking right there. Boom. My wife, Lisa, was smoking two backs, packs a day. And she was allowed to smoke in her house since she was how old, baby? Since she was 13. Her parents let her smoke. They were pretty liberal in that area. And she's smoking two packs a day. And we were praying in my old Jeep. I have a Jeep like the Jeep I have now, but a lot older, same, almost the same color back in the day. And uh, we're praying, and we're in a parking lot you know, over at, uh, by Rite Aid on First Street. You know, it's called Thrifty Drug then. And we're just praying and memorizing Scripture together. We're seeing each other just for a little while. And she's like, does the Lord hear me when I smoke? I'm like, I believe he hears you. You know, you're, you're sincere, and you're seeking him, but I don't believe he's pleased with it. And she took her pack of cigarettes. I think we, you know, she smoked marble at that point. And she just chucked it out, her, out the window, you know. And she quit smoking, and she hasn't smoked a cigarette since. And every time she was tempted after that, she just said, Lord, fill me up with your spirit, and the temptation would go away. Just not in my notes, not even something I was going to bring up, even the cigarette analogy I was going to bring up. But if you're struggling with smoking, you know, just, just stop, man, and then just pray that God gives you strength. And when you're nagged to do it, do it just think of it as being like nagged to murder someone or nagged to rob a bank. It's like not worth it. No, I'm not going to do it. You don't have to do it. And then eventually you'll get over that habit. Amen. So in Proverbs, we're told that he wants to give prudence to who? The naive, verse 4. Right? To the youth, knowledge and discretion. I wish I could go into the background of Proverbs in depth, but I don't have time to because I want to get into five specific words in the Hebrew that are used throughout the book of Proverbs for full. There's three specific words that are used the most, but there's actually, which shows the degradation, almost like a sliding scale of foolishness, because these five words are different for a reason. They have different nuances to them. They're giving us basically five different types of fools, and each of these words for fool is tied to pride, is tied to, is tied to arrogance, is, is tied to being independent from God, you know, and doing your own thing. So they are, and you have to keep in mind too, uh, when we talk about being a fool, we're not talking about someone who's being silly or someone who uh, has a low IQ and just isn't intelligent. Okay? The Bible reserves the word fool for godlessness, for one who does not revere, one who does not fear God, one who does not uh, uh, love God, fear God, walk in the wisdom of God, and rejects his counsel for their lives. Okay? So it's important to get that. It's important to understand that because the word uses fool often for someone who's just not really intelligent or what have you. But the word uses, the Bible word uses it for one who chooses to not operate by applying God's knowledge to their lives. And there's five 
Hebrew words with various shades of meaning. And these words also have, appear to have a degree of descent down, further and further down that road that leads to destruction away from Jesus Christ and the narrow road that leads to life. And the first word is pethi. Pethi. And the, the transliteration in the Greek would be P-E-T-H-I, but pronounced pethi in Hebrew. So we're looking at not Greek words. Usually I'm talking about Greek words. But pethi is a very interesting word. I'm going to give you, a, 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 you know, from a Hebrew dictionary, uh, to be spacious, wide open, uh, simplicity, simple, naive, pertaining to persons that are easily deceived or persuaded, uh, showing lack of wisdom and understanding, yet having the capacity to change this condition which is important because you can be kind of, become the kind of fool where you eventually lack the capacity to even turn, where you become reprobate, where you so dug your feet in the ground against God's word that you will not respond. And pethy is not that word. Pethy is more what children are like when they're very young, before they've been counseled in the knowledge of God. Remember when we were very young, we would do foolish things, right? We didn't have knowledge. We... And, and it's interesting, when you look at the definition, uh, open, you know, open-minded, you know, uh, with pethy, spacious, wide open. That's what the, the, the Hebrew word is, etymology, when you look at it, speaks of being wide open, you know, open to things, you know. It sounds like what? Political party, by the way, you know. I'm just being serious, because that's based on people that never grew up, who want everybody to give to them and, you know, and want to be able to take from others, you know, legally, and want anything goes and do whatever you do what thou wilt, do whatever you want, you know. It's a doctrine of Satanism as well, do what thou wilt. Pethy. And when you're a little kid, you're open to anything. But that's not wise, you know. Because, you know, people mock people who are not open to everything. Oh, they're square. Oh, they're not open minded. Oh, they're narrow minded, you know. Well, guess what? From a little kid, you learn to walk somewhat of a narrow road if you have parents that care for you at all. We just know who the, what the true narrow road is, amen? A little child left to himself destroys himself, the Bible says. And, you know, how many of you have little kids, but you'll let them play with a fork or a knife by, by an open, you know, electrical socket? What will they eventually do? Okay? They'll stick it in there, man, and just can become electrocuted or radically shocked and messed up, you know? But you teach them, no, there's certain things you can't do that are destructive, amen? But at first, kids are pethy. They'll stick things in their mouths that'll kill them, right? They won't chew their food all the way and perhaps choke to death. Uh, they poison themselves. It happens daily. They'll jump in a swimming pool, you know, without thinking the consequences. I remember when Josiah was pethy, you know. He thought he got off the hook, but... You know, and I was, remember, I was at some folks' house here, uh, a house in Simi Valley, and we were swimming at the house. And he was just a little guy, so he has a great excuse. He was just probably a few years old, maybe four years, three, four years old. And, uh, and he was swimming and everything else, and then I told him we have to go. It was time to go. We had to go. So he got, I took his, uh, you know, his, his floaties off, and everything's good. We're starting to walk out. And... I get a little busy sometimes. You might have noticed I'm trying to walk out. It's all my brothers and sisters there, and we're there, and he's by my side. And all of a sudden, I see him in the distance because he got away from me, and he's running, doing like a cannonball or whatever it was, just into the water. It's the water, and he can't swim, you know? I thought, how long do I wait for it to learn his lesson, you know? <laughs> no, I'm not like that. I just went. We got him really quick. Boom, he was fine. 
but he's not thinking of the consequences of his actions because he's a little kid, you know. He's full, full of excitement. Now he knows he needs those floaties, but he just wants to get back in with his friends, you know. And uh, kids need training. That's why the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go so when he's older he's not, he will not depart. Are you training up your children in the way they should go? Are you pointing them to Jesus? Are you teaching them the word of God? Are you teaching them the difference between good and evil? It's critical that you're doing that. And when they're misbehaving and rebellion, it's critical that you're disciplining them. I'm not saying send them out to get a switch, you know. I never use a switch on my kids, you know. I'm sure I felt like it a few times, you know, that that might work better. You know, we typically uh, use, use our hand or, you know, some people are against that. There's no Bible verse that says you can't use your hand and uh, sometimes we'd use a little soft paddle, but we wouldn't break the skin or leave bruises or anything. I'm sure it felt like that. And we usually give four or five swats max, you know. So, but it's, it's hard to know, you know, the Bible doesn't give very specifics, but it's important that we discipline our children. Amen. Now, it's interesting because this first word, pethy, uh, it's very interesting because it speaks of a lack of discernment, you know. It speaks of a lack of discernment, uh, and that's, you know, a problem that children have, so we have to develop them. We have to teach them. Uh, they're, they're characterized. Kids that are pethy are characterized by lack of discernment. That's all children as they're young. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 22, uh, verse 3. That's where this word is used. Well, I'm going to take you to Proverbs, a lot of places that use these various Hebrew words. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. The prudent sees the evil... And hides himself. But the naive go what? On. They go on. The naive, the pethy goes on. And are punished for it. So it's important that we show our children the difference between good and evil. That they understand that. Although, and it's pr- pr- it, it, very imperative as Christians, if we're claiming to be wise, that we understand the difference between good and evil. And that we're wise to it. And that we just don't go on into evil. To practice evil. Or, you know, we'll be destroyed by it. But it's interesting, it tells us quite clearly, you know, how long, oh, naive ones, pethy, will you love being simple-minded? This is chapter 1. Now go to chapter 1, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, because we find this word pethy really quickly in the book of Proverbs. And now I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 22, but notice there's three different words here that actually are translated from Hebrew words that mean full. So if you're reading the book of Proverbs and you're a student of the Scripture and you're like, man, I love Proverbs, you know. How many love Proverbs? Anybody here? Anybody love the book of Proverbs? That's all? Not everybody? Everybody love the book of Proverbs? Well, it's imperative. It's important to realize when you look at the word fool and scoffer and all these different words, you know, uh, there's different Hebrew words there. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? You see scoffers, you see fools, and you see naive ones. The first one on the list is naive ones. There's three different types of fools there in that text. But the first one on the list is where you start out. Naive ones. Pethy. So that's normal to be pethy when you start out. But the parents need to step in and teach the word of God to them. Amen. Need to make sure they understand the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. Not only physically, not about physical destruction, what could harm them, or eating the wrong things, but also and imperatively, mostly, about doing what's right before God, about not beating up their, their, their siblings, you know, not torturing the dog, you know, not burning insects. I used to 
just be horrible little kid, just fascinated by, you know, how my sister would scream. You know, I don't do that, but I would, you know, with insects. How many of you did the stupid things with insects when you were a little kid? Let's see if we can get these. It's mostly guys raising their hands, okay? Oh, Diana, yeah, you know. <laughs> a few of the gals are raising their hands. But it's, it was, we're just horrible. We don't think. But you know what? In your spiritual growth, this isn't just for children. It's for all of us. The Bible warns as new Christians, we have to grow up. And Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about those who are still babes in Christ. And they're, they're staying babes in that there's schisms among them. And, you know, he's not able to, you know, they're not growing. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, the Holy Spirit uses the author there to come and speak to those who are babes in Christ as well. And you know what he says about them? They're not accustomed to the word. And they're Christians. He says they ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers by now. But he says, but you're not accustomed to the word of righteousness. And it's important that he says you're not accustomed to the word of righteousness because in the text he says they're unable to discern the difference between good and evil. That's baby Christians. There's a lot of baby Christians out there that are into all kinds of, they fall in all kinds of weird things. In fact, in Hebrews 5, he talks about that. And then in Hebrews 6, 1, he says, let us go on to perfection. Let's go on to maturity, to teleos. Let's grow. And then he warns them of what could happen if you don't grow. And he's warning the babes in Christ as a context. Verses 4 through 6, the strongest warning that perhaps in the New Testament, along with Hebrews 10, of falling away from the faith. And he warns the babes in Christ that they need to move on to maturity because guess what? In the case of those who were enlightened, once enlightened, who had received the Holy Spirit. Non-Christians don't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, by the way. They had received the Holy Spirit. They taste the good word of God. They taste the power of the age to come. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said these verses uh, describe a mature Christian. Although he didn't believe he could fall away, he's saying, now this is definitely a Christian here. You know, he's admitting that. And he says, they, you can fall away, he says, to the point where it's impossible to renew you to repentance. Which, by the way, why would you be renewed to, need to be renewed to repentance? How could you be renewed to something you never had done in the first place? Makes no sense. That's why the early church, for the first several centuries of church history, understood it's warning about apostasy from the truth. Okay? And from Jesus. And guess what? That starts with, that, that apostasy, there, apostasy there starts with being an immature believer. And staying immature. And staying weak. And you know what? Think of a baby and then a little, let's think you have a child and that child never develops. Okay, that child at the age of 10, 12, 20 still has a bottle. Wants his binky, wants his baba, you know, and, and is, wants his career. Now, if that child is that way because they have, they're mentally challenged because of physiology, biology, and so forth, your heart just breaks for them. Right? But what if it's a 35-year-old man who just chooses not to get out of the basement and still wants Baba, still wants baby, and, and still wants his diapers changed, even though he does, he can just use the toilet. You would say that's disgusting, amen. Well, guess what? That's what's happening in God's eyes with many professing believers. It breaks his heart. He's like, grow up, you know. And you know the difference is? Babies have to be fed. And praise God, we're getting fed today, amen. I mean, I love to cook for myself. I love to barbecue, you know. But I also love to be blessed and get fed sometimes at a restaurant, right? But guess what? If, you're just, if you can't feed yourself, but you can, but you refuse not to, and you don't get in the Word yourself ever, and you've been a Christian for many years, 
that breaks God's heart. And that allows you to be prone to apostasy. If you don't grow in discernment of God's words, your word, you're so easily deceived. Think about it. I mean, look, you know what's happening right now as we talk? Not thousands, not hundreds of thousands, millions of professing Christians are getting into the New Apostolic Reformation. They're getting into card reading and tarot cards, but they're, oh, these are Christian tarot cards. I was just interviewed by Doreen Virtue. She's the top New Ager. If you typed in Doreen Virtue, you see that Doreen Virtue was the top New Age uh, teacher for many years, and she became a Christian. She's interviewed me a number of times on her show, just twice in the last month and a half. Uh, and uh, she, she interviewed me on tarot cards, you know. And I said, I said, Doreen, you know far more about tarot cards because she wrote her own decks of tarot cards and became very popular. You know, Lady Gaga said she would never leave home without Doreen Virtue's tarot cards. Doreen became a Christian. She thought she was saved, but she's writing the top New Age book. She was a top New Age writer. She can't stop her books from being written, you know, but now she uses her money and her life all for God's glory because one day she was driving down the road. She heard a Christian minister talking, and she realized, wait a minute, I'm, I'm messed up when I'm teaching because she was a New Age teacher, and she came to her husband. She goes, I think I'm a false teacher. And she started searching the scriptures. She saw Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12. But what thou art come of the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of time, which is an astrologer, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, right? Or a wizard. For because of these things, the Lord thy God does drive them out of the land who came before thee. And if you do those practices, he'll also drive you out of the land. She said she read that. And she was like, oh, what in the world? I'm doing this stuff. And she had to totally repent. And came out of it. Now she's leading a ton of gals that were in the New Age movement out of it. In fact, you know what? I didn't even think about this. I wasn't even going to bring up this, bring up Doreen. But sister, you you were you were reading doing readings for how many years online? Seven. She was doing. She was had following as a New Age leader herself. And then she saw Doreen. She's a follower of Doreen. And she saw. I just met you what three weeks ago. Yeah, I was a student of Doreen too. You were what? I was a yeah, you were a student of Doreen's. And then she saw that Doreen became a Christian, but she said, okay, that's just her path. And she started, kept doing her own thing. But eventually, Jesus got a hold of you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And she's saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord is good. Uh, you come pretty far, too. Where are you driving from? Uh, Roland Heights. Roland Heights. An hour away. Oh, I thought it was in like a Nebraska or something. But <laughs> Nebraska doesn't have anything that rolls, though. So, yeah, that makes sense, you know. Uh, praise the Lord. It's good to see you, sister. But anyway, she got wisdom from the Word of God. And she realized, I need to repent. You know, it took a while. It took me a while, you know. And uh, praise God, because there is hope when you're pethy. And she turned. She tried to mix her new age with Christianity because she was brought up in a Christian science background. And it, it, it's just a lie, you know. But there's all kinds of new age practices in Bethel and in this so-called New Apostolic Reformation. I mean, occult practice. that They're saying, well, the occult stole these things from us, so we're bringing them back. Lie. These things aren't in the word that you're saying, that you're bar getting back, you know? It's crazy stuff. So it's interesting when we look at these, these passages. Uh, listen to Proverbs 14, 15. The naive, pethy, believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. Wow. Proverbs 14, 18, it speaks of how the simpleton does not heed the warnings. The naive, pethy, believe everything, right? But he doesn't just step. But then Proverbs 27, 12 says this. 
A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceeds and pays the penalty. It's a lot like the other proverb I read. But in this case, it says he pays the penalty too. There's a penalty for being in rebellion to God and not having knowledge and not having wisdom. You know, in Ezekiel, God condemns the priest because he says, uh, this is what he condemns him for. Listen to this. It's in Ezekiel twenty two twenty six. My priest uh, or her priest have done evil against my law and they have defiled my holiness. And he says, they make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. Parents, you need to make a distinction with your children between that which is holy and that which is not. If you just sit them in front of Nickelodeon and, and popular television, just let them just gobble it up for hours, you're playing Russian roulette. You might as well, it's like giving your kid a loaded gun with just one bullet in the chamber. Eventually it's going to click. Because I'll tell you what, we know from the lockdown that happened during the whole COVID thing that Disney had this Zoom meeting that was private, but guess what? It went public, and they're boasting about how they're shoving homosexuality down the throats of uh, the little kids, and no one's doing anything about it. Right? And there was a popular uh, cartoon that a lot of children were watching. I documented after that where uh, Danny DeVito plays the devil and the, the, the little girl is the Antichrist. The mom's a wicked witch and she even does sacrifices and stuff and they promote the devil and everything. And uh, Aubrey, I, I showed an interview from her. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm promoting paganism. You know, we're, we're teaching the kids paganism. And she's like, kind of like the Disney boast, just boasting about it. And guess what? Parents, your kids, you wonder why they get into Wicca later. You wonder why they get into deviant sexual practices later. Oh, they could do that all by themselves. They could do that with just peer pressure or their friends. I've got into the occult through just hanging out with the wrong people and stuff and just having a heart that was pethy, you know, and continue to go astray. But man, you don't want to throw gas on the fire, amen? Where the, 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 the little kid actors that they're admiring start talking about homosexuality and, and gender dysphoria and, and, and talking about how it's okay to, it's really good actually in vogue to pretend you're the opposite sex or not. They don't say the word print. Maybe you are this. They don't use the word pretend. And this is happening. I just saw a, a survey that was taken of a bunch of kids, just random kids in a classroom. You know, how many of you identified this, that, or the other? And they said, how many identified as binary or non-binary? We're just, just without any sex. And the majority of kids raise their hands in that classroom. Okay. That didn't just happen by accident. It's not just this, this thing that's just happening to kids. No, there's this mass influence through social media. You have to protect your children. You give your child a, a, a cell phone too young, man, they'll get in all kinds of trouble. And it's just heartbreaking. You have to be very, very careful, you know. Proverbs, Deuteronomy, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says this. You shall teach them, that is your children, diligently. Uh, the word of God, you got to teach it to them diligently, to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them, that's God's word, as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes all the time. You could ask my son Josiah, you can ask Holly, you can ask Heather, you know. They're all in the Word still. They're all seeking Jesus. But I, it's not guaranteed, but praise God they are. But you can ask them how we brought them up. And we just always did, and we still always do talk about the Lord. Wherever we are, He's first in our lives. It doesn't mean we don't like to throw the ball around or go to the grandkids' soccer games and play. But man, Jesus got it, has to be first. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6.4 says, As for parents, don't provoke your children to anger, but raise them with discipline and instruction in the Lord. Amen? And it's imperative that we do this. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 now. This is after the some of the verses we just read. 
about the naive ones, those who are pethy. Look what he says here. This is a parent, godly parent at this point in his life, Solomon, teaching the wisdom of God. In verse 7, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And sometimes you'll see this comes up more than once in Proverbs and Job and so forth, the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Mom and dad, you're both supposed to be teaching. Dad, you should not be sitting as a bump on a log and say, well, I'll let my wife teach them spiritually, man. You need to get up off your rear end and teach your children the word of God. Because Eli did not discipline his children in the, in the Old Testament. Remember the priest Eli? And his children ran amok, man. They were involved in sexual sin. Uh, he wasn't correcting them and so forth. And God put him to death, man. He just had a serious death. He wasn't correcting them. He wasn't admonishing them. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Mom and dad, both of you need to teach your children truth. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Sounds like a lot of what's going on today, right? It's been going on a long time with gang warfare and everything else. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol or hell even whole as those who go down to the pit. Verse 13, we will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Now you've got these, you know, smash and grab, you know, deals going on and home invasions and everything. Throw up your lot with us. He's warning his, ch- his children, don't, don't go for it. We shall have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. For their feet run to do evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread uh, the baited net in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. Now, guess what? They're actually destroying themselves. You teach your children that sin will destroy them, even though they think they're destroying others. They lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. Verse 19, so are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. Wisdom shouts in the street. In contrast to foolishness, wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts up her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones? There it is, pethy. How long, O naive ones? We saw it in verse 4. We see it again here. Will you love being simple-minded and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my what? I love this. Behold, I will pour out what? My spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. God's spirit is calling people long before the, Old Te- before the New Testament times, guys. Because I called. But, ooh, this is where it gets nasty. Because I called and you what? Refuse. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. Sounds like the Lord said to uh, Israel at times, you know, how long have I stretched out my hands and you would not listen? His heart is to save us. I love this. It shows God's heart here. He wants to save. Verse 25, and you neglected all my counsel. It did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then uh, they will call on me. Then it's going to be too late. So well, how, why does God do this? Because people get to the point where they move from pethy through these five deg- degradations of foolishness to where they just become mockers and scoffers and anti-God, flipping God off like I did in the park, you know, when I was a non-believer, drunk with my friends, blaspheming God. Thank God he's a merciful God, man. When I was 16 and 17, I was so rebellious. 
But guess what? You can get to the point where you die in your rebellion. You refuse to repent. Okay? They will, be, they will call on me, verse uh, 28, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Remember the five foolish virgins? Remember they were knocking and it was too late, the door was shut. Too late to get saved at that point. If your children are alive, it's not too late right now unless they just absolutely refuse to come. Only God knows their heart, so you keep praying. Amen? But there'll come a time when it's too late. Now is the time of salvation. Verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose what? Because they hated knowledge and did not what? They did not choose to fear the Lord. Anybody ever sing that song, We Choose to Fear the Lord? Remember that song? Is that old Maranatha song? I'm asking Maranatha over there. She sings a lot of the old, old Calvary Chapel songs. Her name's Maranatha. Uh, but it's such a beautiful song. I think it's in the minor key. It's just like, we got we to sing that. We got to bring that up, Gerald. Bring that song up. Because they, did, they hated knowledge, they did not choose to fear the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. Okay, so they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill, kill them. Wow. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Again, different words being used there. But the one who listens to me shall live securely, right? And will be at ease from the dread of evil. Right from the get-go in Proverbs, man, Solomon's not pulling punches. He's telling the youngsters, man, get right with God, follow his wisdom, and you'll have life in the end. If you reject him, it's not just because you're not smart. It's ultimately because you, there's a moral deficiency, a lack of righteous character in you where you want to live for yourself and do your own things no matter how much it hurts God's heart and how much you hurt other people. And that's wicked. And that you'll be judged like a, a rogue cancer cell in the human body. A cancer cell that goes and does its own thing is called, a cell that goes and does its own thing is called cancer. In the body of Christ, if you become a rebel or in the world, those that are rebellious against God, it's spiritually a spiritual cancer and it needs to be repented of. It needs to be taken quite seriously. So, the second type of fool is described by the Hebrew word avil. Okay? Avil. Okay? E-V-Y-Y. I'm sorry. E-V-I-Y-L would be the translation of that word, but it's pronounced uh, like avil. And uh, avil. And uh, this is a fool who decides, you know, his own morality. He's not just pithy open to anything as a youngster. He's growing up and he's deciding what he believes is right and wrong. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death. Amen. And we see he's quick to speak, but slow to think. Okay. Uh, in fact, he's characterizing Proverbs, this word, as somebody who's hypocritical, who has their own morality. It surrounds just doing their own thing. And Evil speaks of the person who is, is slow, to, slow to think things through as what's right and wrong and just act on their feelings and just decide that's their code of ethics. In fact, uh, Proverbs 1.7, that's where we see that word. We've looked at where we've seen the other word, right? Pethy, but look at verse 7 again. 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, that's the word Evil. Evil despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12.15, The way of a fool, Evil, is right in his own eyes, but a wise man uh, is he who listens to counsel. So you see what's going on there? This is one who makes up their own morality. Proverbs 14.3, In the mouth of the foolish, Avil, is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. Proverbs 17.28, Even a fool, Avil, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he, when he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. 
Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but a fool, evil, will quarrel. Okay? So this is a person who ignores God's moral law, ignores the importance of doing what's right, and just makes up their own morality. Just, oh, well, there's no moral laws. I, there's no consequences to moral laws. You know, I read in a book when I was researching LSD, long after I'd repented of using it as a youngster, when I was reading a book called uh, by Timothy Leary, who was the drug guru of the 60s and 70s and so forth, uh, and he wrote a book called Flashbacks, appropriately titled, right, for a book about LSD, which was his biography. And in that book, he talks about, he admits there were some really bad LSD experience, experiences. And now they're doing ayahuasca, they're doing all kinds of, you know, uh, DMT, all these different hallucinogens are becoming popular and legalized uh, and so forth in different parts of the nation right now. And he talks about a guy who, you know, thought he was a gorilla, you know, and they, they watched him run all over the place on the top of, a, you know, up, upper floors, you know. And he thought he was a gorilla, and he thought, then he thought he could fly. And he jumped to his death, you know. And that's what it's like when you make up your morality. You may not be so foolish as to think I could fly and jump off of a big building. Because, and you might not be so foolish to see there's no consequences to gravity. But you're ignoring the spiritual consequences to spiritual rebellion against God. And it will come in like a whirlwind, man. The Bible says you reap what you sow. He that sows the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life if we continue, he says. So it's very important. That's in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. So it's imperative that we don't make up our own morality. The third stage of foolishness, beyond the first one, pethi, and beyond number two, avil, is uh, another word for, for fool found in Proverbs is kasil. Kasil. Uh, kasil is a word that speaks of one who's full of pride and arrogance. Okay, uh, They dig their feet in the ground. They don't just, they're not just open to everything. They don't just make up their morality, but they stick their feet in the ground and dig their feet in the ground. I'm just doing it this way. This is the way I'm going to do it. You know, they've degraded, they've gotten to the point where they've digressed to the point where they're now stubbornly wicked and so forth. And it's interesting, uh, they're two-faced. Uh, they don't accept discipline because they're stubborn, right? Look at Proverbs 1.22. We just saw this word here. We saw a couple different Greek words here. Check this out. Verse 22, how long, O naive one, what's, what, what's that word, the naive one? Naive is what? Pethy, that's right, good job. Uh, we love being simple-minded. And scoffers delight themselves at scoffing, and fools, this is kasil, right there, the word fools right there. And how long will kasils hate knowledge? They don't just, they're not, they're not even open to it now. They hate knowledge. They don't want the word of God. Proverbs 10, 18 says, and these are all the words that use kasil that I'm going to give you next. Uh, he who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool or conceal. So they're slanderous. Uh, they don't have any morality, and they dig their feet around. They don't care. And when somebody corrects them, hey, you shouldn't have said that about her. You know, that was ungodly. That was wrong. There was no repentance in their heart because they don't care. They've dug their feet in. Okay? <sighs> Uh, chapter 13, verse 20 of Proverbs. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools, Kassil, will suffer harm. If you hang out with people that gossip and hurt others, you're going you're to suffer harm yourself. Proverbs 14, 7. Leave the presence of a fool. Don't hang out with somebody like that, Kassil. Or you will dis, uh, not discern words of knowledge. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a Kassil, a fool, is arrogant and careless. They're arrogant. Okay, careless, because they're arrogant. 
Proverbs 15, 14. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools, Cassil, feeds on folly. That, this, so much of this is my old life, man. Go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 10. It says, a rebuke goes deeper into, uh, into one who has what? Understanding. Understanding. Then a hundred blows into what? A fool, Cassil. They're stubborn. They don't want to see the truth. Proverbs 17, 12. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool concealed in his folly. Because it's a person that can care about, careless about consequences. That's why the prisons are full of people that are concealed. You know? They just you know, shoot a guy at a bar because they got angry at the way he looked at him. And all of a sudden they're doing all, you know, so many years to life. Less than California, unfortunately. Uh, it's interesting, though. Proverbs... Uh, 18.2 says, a fool, a casil, does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So they've got lips that just go a thousand miles a second. Quick to speak, slow to think. Slow, not slow to anger, but, but quick to speak and quick to anger. The fourth type of fool, okay, is one who's just absolutely so committed to their foolishness, they just write off God. And they write God out of existence in their mind. They're the one who is, the words used of those who are apostates. It's used of falling away, this next word. It's used of those who are totally, have just totally become reprobate and are either on their way to rejecting God or have thoroughly rejected God. And the word is Nabal. Remember Nabal? Remember the guy Nabal? You get a clue when you start to read that story that this guy is not very wise. Nabal, remember Abigail? And how he, wicked he was to this righteous, godly woman, you know. And then King David was protecting uh, people and helping people out in his area. And even his own men were being blessed by David in his army's presence. And Nabal speak, spoke wicked of David, right? The anointed one, you know. This picture of speaking evil against Christ. And his own wickedness, just like the Proverbs, destroyed him without getting too deep into that message because I want to get done on time. So Nabal uh, blew it big time, and his name means fool when you read that story. Uh, Nabal, the definition in the Hebrew means dumb, stupid, wicked, and vile. And as I said, it's used of apostates. It's used of those who just reject God. Proverbs 17, 21 says, He who begets a scoffer does so to his own sorrow, and the father of a fool, Nabal, has no joy. Proverbs 14, 1. The fool, Nabal, has said in his heart, there is no God. That's Nabal right there. Now, there's a lot of kids that are pethy. They're just open, but they believe in God, and they go to church, they come to this church, and they sing, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, right? And, and God loves the little children, and they love the Lord in, in the best way they can, but they still, they're pethy, they're open to, you know, they still need to be taught, amen? But now we're talking about someone who's just rejecting God straight out, Nabal. He's, it's such a descent. Uh, it's so wicked. He who begets us, I'm sorry, the fool, Nabal, has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. In other words, guess what? They have a practice of wickedness. They've been continuing to commit evil deeds, and they refuse to repent. And now they don't want to deal with their conscience, and they don't want to deal with God, so they pretend God doesn't exist. You ever meet people that pretend that God didn't exist because they want to do their own thing? And then they, pretend that they profess themselves to be wise, but they are fools, it says. That's what it says in Romans chapter 1. Notice I'm not saying, hey, you're a fool. That guy's a fool. I'm telling you what the scriptures say, because we're not supposed to call each other fools. Amen? But I'm telling you what the Bible says about fools. You know Job's wife? Curse God and die. Remember that? 
She tells him, curse God and die. You know what he says to her in Job 2.10? But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish Nabal. It's interesting, right there in Job. One of the Nabal, uh, as the Nabal woman speaks. Uh, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Okay. In all, his, uh, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So she was being like the Nabal women who were not even just not believing in God, but wanting to just curse God and die. I think it's interesting where that word, how that word pops up. Ezekiel 13.3 says, Thus says the Lord, Woe to the foolish or Nabal prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. In other words, not following the spirit of God. They're rejecting God and they're doing their own thing. And that's a lot of what's going on in the body of Christ today. People claim to prophesy in the name of Jesus and giving all these false prophecies and saying, Oh, oops, I got it wrong, but I just didn't hear from God right. I just got to tune into him better. And people keep listening to these people over and over again, even though they make false prophecy after false prophecies. And there's not hundreds of there's these thousands of these guys out there on the internet. There's not a different uh, test as to a false prophet in the new than there was in the Old Testament regarding to right and wrong and who's truly from God. Amen? Amen? When the two witnesses come and they prophesy for 1260 days, you'll know it's the two witnesses prophesying. They'll bring fire down from heaven. They'll be persecuted by the Antichrist and everything else. These are not true prophets of God today. These people that tell you to go after your own dreams and, and, and just do all these weird things that are unscriptural, unbiblical. So, the fifth Hebrew word... How many were betting when I was still on the first one? Halfway through this message, I'm not going to go through five. I was kind of betting against myself too. The fifth Hebrew word on the, on the road to foolishness and the last, you know, as bad as it gets, is lutz. Lutz. L-E-W-T-S, but pronounced lutz. The Hebrew word. Uh, it means to scorn. It's not just rejecting God. It's not just being open now and then, you know, becoming more evil and adopting your immorality and then digging your feet in the ground and then rejecting God, okay? It's not just the first one. I'm not going through all the words again where I'm just open, but you're just got to learn. And then, you know, getting to the point where you just, you know, decide your own morality. And then you get to the third stage where you dig your feet in the ground. Then you get to the fourth stage where you just reject God. This is the stage where you're now mocking God. You're mocking God. How many of you ran into internet trolls sometimes they just hate God on the internet? Anybody? They're all over the place. They're by the, not thousands, they're probably by the millions by now. There's a lot of loots out there. It means to scorn, okay, uh, to talk arrogantly, to boast. It speaks of the scornful fool, the mocking fool, uh, the one who uh, just mocks God and the things of God and mocks the people of God and persecutes true believers in Yahweh, true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scoffer refuses uh, to go to the, uh, the, the wise for counsel, Proverbs 15.2. The scoffer, uh, he's <laughs> without any, he refused to listen to correction, Proverbs 13.1. Uh, he hates correction, Proverbs 9, 7, and 8. He, uh, the scriptures state that he's stupid. Uh, in Proverbs 12.1, it says of the lutes, it says, quote, he who hates correction is stupid. That's lutes right there. Hates any kind of correction. You know, can't reason with him right? You can't reason with him. Uh, the scoffer, some translate the word airhead, by the way. It's interesting. I've seen some translations, airhead of the scoffer there. Uh, he is not, he's, he's not just content to disobey God's law, but he has to ridicule God's law as well. And it's interesting because uh, listen to what Psalms 1, 1 through 3 say. And guess what? There are a lot of these guys are professors in our, in our, in our universities today. You realize that? They're mockers of God. They're scoffers. 
You can send your children to a university, think they're going to get a great education. A lot of these people that are, don't, you can't just think that professors are just, you know, neutral or just amoral. They have no moral views at all. They just treat academics today. No, a lot of them have an ax to grind. If I was a non-believer still to this day, and I was not doing this, but I was in, in, a, in a school, you know, I'd be, I'd be trying to talk people out of Jesus, not of God, and talk about how stupid it was, because I was stupid, man. I was loose. Listen to Psalm 1, 1 through 3. You need to protect your children from evil influences. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in, season, in its seasons, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen? Jude says in verse, chapter 1, verse 17, you know, you do well to remember the words of the apostles, right? That they said in the last days mockers would arise, in the last times, and that they'd be walking after their own ungodly lust. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? They'll be mocking, Oh, where's Jesus coming? Well, um, <clears throat> have you seen what's happening in Israel lately? Do you know what the Bible says? I mean, it's not happening in any other nation. It's exactly what God's word says would happen. That's how he says, uh, one of the ways he says you can know he exists. In fact, he says, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen. That's Israel. You're my witnesses. That before me there was God, no, no God for me, there shall there be after me. In other words, Israel is a witness that God exists because he tells their future in advance. Amen? Amen. Oh, well, because right, they don't want to hear it. And they're committed to evil. And they'll mock the, the, the very signs that are so apparent today. Pretty trippy when you think about it. Man. The scriptures say of, of the scoffers, it says, you know, uh, it says all sorts of things. I'll give you a couple uh, more scriptures uh, there's a lot of them. I, I've got to be careful with my time here. But in Proverbs uh, one twenty two, you want to go back there now? Check it out again, because now we've got that third word comes up here. How long, O naive ones, pethy, one twenty two, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers, there it is, lutes, delight themselves in scoffing, and fools, casil, hate knowledge. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. He who corrects a scoffer, a lute, gets dishonor for himself. Because they, they refuse to be corrected. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, a lutz, for he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Proverbs 13.1. A wise son accepts a father's discipline, but a scoffer, a lutz, does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 14.6. A scoffer, a lutz, seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. Proverbs 22.10. Drive out the scoffer, the lutz, and contention will go out. Evil strife and dishonor will cease. A lutz is a person that goes around after rejecting God in Christianity. They try to get other people to reject the Father and the Son and the gospel. That's the way of the lutz. And they just mock Christianity. You know, right now there's a, a temple called the, the, the Satanic Temple. or uh, It's called the Satanic Temple. And I'm not even going to put their image up there. It's a big old Baphomet. It's gotten, been in the news a lot lately. But Cosmopolitan just did a story on them. And Cosmopolitan uh, seems to be promoting to a degree. Uh, at least they're giving it fanfare. Uh, it's a popular magazine, right, Cosmopolitan? I just saw this in this morning's news. Uh, and they state the steps how to have a satanic abortion at an abortion clinic that's dedicated to satanic abortions. And the, the, the name of the abortion clinic is named after Justice... Uh, Samuel Alito's mother, 
It's been called Samuel Alito's mom's uh, satanic abortion clinic. And in Cosmopolitan, they give the steps that you can take to give, have a satanic ritual whereby you just affirm your Satanism and aborting your baby. And your baby becomes like a sacrifice to Satan. Now, I just did, a uh, not too long ago in a podcast, I pointed out, and I've done this more than once, uh, that Satanists still sacrifice kids in mass, but they do it through abortions. And now this just came out today. You can read later on the front page of Fox News on the internet, uh, the quotations and the documentation. And one of the steps in the ritual is to say, by my body, my blood, my will, it is done. In other words, you're doing your own will, you know. And this is not just, uh, uh, you know, Nabal, Nabal. This is what? This is lutes. This is blasphemy. This is mocking God and doing things. Basically, it's do what thou wilt. My will be done. This is what our world's coming to. Cosmopolitan used to be, you know, not ever saying it was, was reputable, but a lot of people thought it was pretty safe, and then they started realizing it was really risque. It was bringing gals down a wrong path. But now it's just, you know, giving air to what's totally satanic. And you get so dark and so wrong and so messed up that you refuse to turn your head. Proverbs 29.1 talks about the fool uh, stiffens his neck, and he's suddenly cut off, wiped out. And when you stiffen your neck, in other words, God's saying turn and do a 180. You refuse to turn. And by the way, your neck's very important because you only see a little bit if you just look in one direction, amen? But if you're able to turn your head, you get a lot bigger view. Well, the atheist and the agnostic, they don't see the whole picture. Their necks get stiff and they see very dimly. And even though they claim to be open-minded, they're the most narrow-minded people all, ultimately, because they're bent on their own way and it leads to destruction, and it's very, very important that we understand this. And the good news is that while our children have life in them and they're still breathing, they have hope. No matter how. If you have a child, no matter what stage they are in this process, keep praying and keep crying out to God for them. You're saying, even my child? You don't know how bad my child is, Joe. That, that my child could turn. You don't know what my kid said. I know your child has turned because I turned. And I had my middle finger in the air toward God. I'm ashamed to say that. When I was 16 and 17 years old, I was getting drunk with my friends in the park, smoking pot, and I'd just speak against God because I, I believed he didn't exist, that God. I knew there was something, but I'm like, no, it's not the Christian God, though. And I had this, why did I have an anger toward the Christian God? Because that's the one true God, and that was my flesh. But God had mercy on me. My mom and dad and all those and all things they did, I'm sure that had some help in a lot of ways. But I remember my mom told me some time ago, she goes, Joe, I remember when you had those experiences in your room when I had opened myself up to all these occult forces. She said, that was God disciplining you, you know? And he used that to turn you to him. I'm like, you're right, Mom. He did, you know? I got spanked big time. I realized God is real, and I am in trouble. I hit my knees and cried out for the mercy of God. I said, God, I can't believe what I've done, what I've said. You know, got rid of all my, you know, junk, and I don't have time to give my testimony, but a lot of you know my testimony, all my channel lyrics and stuff. I'm like, oh, I know what they say, but I didn't promote them anymore. Kicked in my Fender amp, got rid of my guitar. Didn't play guitar for years until my wife bought me one, an acoustic guitar to sing worship songs five years later. So, brothers and sisters, there's hope. Paul was the chief of sinners, amen? And he, you know what Paul said? He saved me. Paul says it's a faithful saying that God came to the world. Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of which I'm the worst one. But he says, God saved me to show others that anybody who comes to him could also be saved. Amen? That means, that means Jesus provided himself for each and every one of you. You don't have to doubt it. The question is, is, will you come to him? Will you come to Jesus that you may have eternal life? Don't give up, guys. 
If you have a child, your child's still alive, don't give up. Keep praying for that child. Amen? Because I read on the cross, listen, what happened on the cross. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he was hanging between two just wicked guys, both, needing, both deservedly being there. And we read, uh, one of the criminals was insulting Jesus, and he, and he said, aren't you supposed to be the Messiah? Then why don't you save yourself and us? And he was dying for his own wickedness, right? But both of them were, were jeering at Jesus at first. But then guess what we read? The other criminal re- had a change of heart. And he rebuked the other guy. He says, don't you fear God? We're getting just what we deserve. While this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're, if you're the daughter of that one, that one that turned, and you see him speaking and mocking Jesus, you're there. You're seeing your dad be crucified next to Jesus, and he's, they're both evil. He's evil too. And right to the last parts of his life, he's rebuking Jesus. You'd walk away, if you, especially if you love Jesus. Hypothetically speaking, you'd just be like so heartbroken. I know how my dad died. He died mocking Jesus. But if you didn't see the rest of the story until the Gospels were published, you wouldn't know that he came in the very end. Amen? And the, the, my point is, I don't care how far gone your child is, don't quit praying. Amen? Because who knows, at the very last second before their life expires, they could say, Jesus, remember me when, you, when I die, to come in your presence. Amen? So don't quit teaching. Don't quit disciplining. Don't give up. Don't quit loving them. Love, love, love them. Don't quit being an example. And don't quit praying. Amen? Praise God. Let's pass out the cup and the bread. God is good. Amen? Amen. Let's all please stand.